He said, but we never talk. You ever have that conversation with somebody? If you're a husband for more than five days, you've had that conversation with your wife. Am I lying? Right? You, you, you come home and you have that. I've had that conversation with my wife. It's, a, it's uncomfortable because I can always think of moments throughout the day that we talked. I called you at such and such a time. I... Uh, uh, didn't you remember you, you talked to me about the, the food grocery list? And do you remember when I talked to you about what the kids were going to do this Saturday? Don't you remember? She goes, yeah, 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 I get that. But we don't talk. Do you understand what I mean when I say we don't talk? And it takes me usually a couple of times before I get what we don't talk means what it means is that we haven't yet touched heart to heart that i haven't bared my soul i haven't shared my soul we haven't experienced an intimacy and she's missing that anybody here ever experienced something like that or, you know, ever want to either tell your spouse or, you know, it, it's not that you're not spending any time. It's not really that you're not talking. It's that you don't talk in the deep things. Today, today we're talking about prayer. And I think this is what God wants. I, I, I know I can't convince everybody who I ever ask, hey, how are you doing? You know, how's your walk with Christ? Or how are you doing building your friendship with Christ? Their first thing on the top of the list is always, oh, I'm praying. I'm praying. Oh, I pray. I pray. I pray in the shower. I pray while I'm walking to, tr- to the train station. I pray uh, while I'm in my job. I pray. Oh, my goodness. I pray. I'm praying right now as I'm speaking to you. I pray. I pray. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. It might be that the king of the universe might be kneeling real, real low right now and telling you, the person sitting in your seat, we don't talk. We don't. We don't do heart to heart. We don't share soulish things. I mean, we talk, God might say. I, I, I know about the things that you need. You've made sure to let me know those things. I know about the pressures in your life. You've been sure to share that with me. I know about your concerns and your worries. I know about the gifts that you would like for me to give you. I know. But we don't talk. When, when, whenever you have a marriage and, um, and that soul-to-soul sharing is not there, inevitably, and I do a lot of counseling, um, especially marriage counseling is a lot of that. Inevitably, what wives will say is that he doesn't want to talk to me, he doesn't want to, but at night, he wants something from me. And I feel like I'm being used. 
And I wonder if you've ever thought about your relationship with God as one like a marriage, in where God can sort of feel used by the deal. We're, we're in a new series, and it's not so new anymore. We've been in it for a, a few weeks now. And we're talking about abiding in Christ, about living in Christ, abiding, staying close to, not straying from, staying deep in Christ. And so the first week we said, well, it, it, it's not enough to just say, I love Jesus. It's not enough to just say, um, yet yeah, Jesus is Lord. It's not enough to just say, um, I go to church every week. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about abiding. I'm not talking about calling your wife for, to make sure that she knows, or calling your husband to make sure that he knows what to bring home for dinner. I'm talking about deep, soulish stuff. God is, God is looking for that. And so what we've been doing is we said, okay, so the first thing is living in obedience. And, that's, and that we said while we were talking uh, about abide, we said, okay, God wants us to just simply, you know, just if you walk in obedience with Christ, you'll be on your way. And then uh, we have a, an image that's going to come up. And we said, okay, this is what a picture of a disciple of Christ, a person who follows Jesus, doesn't look like this, doesn't look like this. A person who follows Jesus looks like this. It's a person whose Christ is at the center of their lives. You know what that means? That means that Jesus actually affects the decisions that they make, affects the words that they say, affects the dress that they wear, affects the communication that they have, affects, the, affects everything. And so Christ would be at the center and that we would live in obedience. And then the next week we said this. We said that the word of God and, and I wonder if anybody can remember what we said. It was a long time ago. I don't expect it to, but I wonder if you can remember. It was, I wanted you simply to what? Read the Bible. That's it. Pick the thing up. Pick the thing up and read. You go, but I can't read. Get the audio version. Like, just pick up your Bible. Expose yourself to the Word of God. Because listen to me. We don't, don't you have enough of your own words in your head, right? Like, do you, need, do you need to be told anything else by your own mind? Over 90% of self-talk, true statistic, over 90% of self-talk is negative talk. You know what that's like, right? Oh, look, you look so big in this shirt. Oh, you just, you're stupid, and you'll never get that raise. And why even bother going back to school? It's been so many years. 90% over. Negative. We said, no, no, we don't want that. We want God's word. So this, that, that week we said, we talked about the word. And then the week after that, we uh, talked about uh, serving. And we just said, listen, serve where? In this church. And we wanted you guys, listen to me, that you would every week would have an opportunity to recognize an activity to remind yourself that life is bigger than you. Isn't it true? Isn't it true that life is all about you? This whole galaxy revolves around me, I swear. <laughs> this whole universe, listen to me, listen to me. It's why I can't hear when other people disagree with me. It's because the only opinion that matters is mine. 
And so what we're saying is that you need, you need, I need, if we're going to walk in Christ, if we're going to abide in Christ, we need weekly reminders that life is bigger than us. And that we need to be in service to others. The third week, and we said that God, you know, has chosen you. If you're here, God has chosen you. You, you can serve Christ. The third week we talked about is telling somebody about Jesus. Anybody here tell somebody about Jesus? Okay. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love that. Who here is here for the first time because somebody just told you about Jesus and says, come to church. Look at that. That's awesome. That's cool. That's cool. I love that. Listen to me. And we're going to continue doing this. We're going to continue doing this. We're going to tell somebody about Jesus. That was our third week. Now, this week, we're talking about prayer. And we're not, again, we're not talking about the kind of fleeting prayer that you do before you go to work or while, listen to me, that's fine. Keep that up. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about spending time, making time, taking time to spend with Jesus. Now, But before I give you some practical ways on how to do that, I'm going to tell you of an old story about a guy that you know about. You've heard of him. His name is Daniel. Anybody here ever hear Daniel in the lion's den? Anybody? Right? Only four of you? Really? Wow. Okay, okay. There's a few of you. Okay, great. So, okay. So, Daniel. Daniel um, has a very difficult life. Daniel is removed from his homeland, taken from his parents. His land is invaded and destroyed. Daniel experiences death and blood at a very early age. Daniel gets taken away to a different country with different uh, uh, traditions, different religion, different set of rules, different language. He's taken from there. He's taken from his homeland into this place. He's hurting. He's been a he's 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 had everything from his life taken from him. Anyone else would have said, "You know what, God? What good is it serving you? What good is it talking to you? Look at what happened. Look at what happened to my people. We love you." And look at the mess of our lives. And Daniel did not take that approach. Daniel did not take that approach. Daniel instead decided to stay close to the only one who could make sense of it all. Let me talk to you for a second about suffering and then we're going to go into prayer. But I just want you to hear me. Listen to me. Satan's greatest tactic when you and I suffer is to get you to go away from the only one who could make sense of your suffering. You go, this, I can't take it anymore. That's it. I was, I was just, man, I, I have this conversation regularly. And I was so heartbroken for this parent. See, what happened was, is that this parent had begged God for their child to go in the right direction. But the more she begged God for the child to go in the right direction, the child went in the 
wrong direction. And she got up to God and said, God, you are not cooperating with me. I am going to go. That was her argument the whole time we were talking. Yeah, but Edwin, I tried that. And look, it just got worse. Yeah, but Edwin, I did that. And look, it just got worse. Listen to me. The reward for pursuing Jesus is Jesus. The joy that you get from pursuing Jesus is Jesus. You will find, you will find that if you pursue God, if you, if you pursue God for something other than God, God will not play that game. You will find that life is very difficult and very painful and that Christians have very difficult marriages and Christians have children who, who stray terribly and make decisions that hurt them deeply. And it's to this that we're going to speak to. Because it's in those moments when life seems to be falling apart that your habit of spending or taking time with Jesus is going to make it all or break it all. Daniel has been abandoned. He's been hurt. He's been wounded. He's been transferred as a different language, different culture, different everything. He stays with God, prays to God, loves God, pursues God, worships God, honors God, even at the risk of his position and his life. Pretty amazing, right? Everything's been taken away. You would go to Daniel and you would say, Daniel, why are you still praying to God? It's not like God protected your people because God is great. And he'll help me to figure this out sometime. But I know. I know that God is greater than me. And I don't understand everything that's going on. I, I don't have an account for every tear. I don't understand every moment. But God, oh yes, God is God and I will trust him. Daniel trusts God and would you believe that God blesses Daniel's efforts? Daniel goes on and he actually becomes, uh, he actually becomes the leader there's 120 districts in this uh, community city, like 120 districts. And there's three people who are over the 120 districts. And there's one person over the three. It's Daniel. God has blessed him. He's essentially the prime minister for the Persians. He's the prime minister. God has blessed him. And here's what happens. God blesses his leadership and people get jealous. And so they try to trap Daniel. Here's what happens really fast. What happens is, is that a, a few other guys get together. They devise a plan. They try to find out what they could find about Daniel's life. They try to find out how they could, you know, um, find something bad in his life to report to the king, right? They search and search. And the Bible says that Daniel was above Reproach. You know what reproach means? It means accusation. Daniel was above, you couldn't even accuse him of anything. So Daniel loves, you know what they, you know what they decide to do? 
They decide to catch Daniel at his own game. They know that Daniel prays and loves God. So you know what they do? They have the king make a law that for the next 30 days, anybody that prays to anyone other than the king is to be put to death. The lion's den. And so they go to the king. They trick the king. The king loves Daniel. He's his prime minister. But they trick the king. The king doesn't know that this is a trap against Daniel. He signs the edict. They come back and they say, oh, by the way, and they report on Daniel. And the king can't take it back. Now, the reason that the king can't take the rule back, you go, but he's the king. Why can't he take it back? Because then it would be a, a, a form of weakness. He would look like he was infallible. I, he was not infallible. And so he allows the rule to go ahead. And so all sorts of things happen. And we're going to focus on two verses, but we're going to read about six or seven. We're going to read verses, ch- uh, chapter 6, verses 6 through 11 in the book of Daniel. Daniel chapter 6, 6 through 11. Even though you have 12 verses there, there's no way we're going to have time for verse 12. But we're just going to focus on two verses, 10 and 11. Now, when we get to verse 10 and 11, I want you all to read very loud with me. Now, we have a tradition here in this congregation. And our tradition is that when we read God's word, we stand. Let me tell you why we stand before you do. Before you, before you stand, let me tell you why. Because there is an otherness to this book. There is a greatness to these words. God's word is higher than us. And so, the, you know, politicians stand when the president comes. Soldiers salute when a general walks in the room. And the church can't help but be in awe when God's word is read. And so one of the ways we demonstrate this in our... Yeah, all right. I love you guys, Overflow Room. Woo! I'm going to go back there. Absolutely. I'm going back to the Overflow Room. Hello, Overflow Room. Give us a good big shout-out. Yeah, it's awesome. All right. If y'all don't start treating me like that, I'm going over there. Show me some love, okay? All right, all right. Here we go. So... Okay. All right. Now, that's great. So we're all going to stand out of the greatness of God's word. Okay. Now, remember, your verses are verse 10 and 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, we've thought of you. If you look in your bulletin, we have what's called a sermon map. You can find the scriptures there. If that's too small, on the screen, we have, uh, we have the scriptures there. So we think, we think of you. Okay. So let's read God's word together. We're going to read verses 10 and 11. Let me read from 6 to 9. Okay. These... Then these high officials and satraps came by agreement to the king and said to him, O King Darius, live forever. All the high officials of the kingdom, the prefects and the satraps, the counselors and the governors are agreed that the king should establish an ordinance and enforce an injunction that whoever makes a petition to any god or man for 30 days except to you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the injunction and sign the document so that it can be changed according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, which cannot be revoked. Therefore, King Darius signed the document and injunction. Here we are all together. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, 
he went to his house where he had his windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God. And as he had done previously, then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. May God bless the reading of his word. Please be seated. Listen. Amen. Verse 10. Look at verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he did the darndest thing. He went to his house and started to pray. Could you imagine that? After he knew, after he knew it was out of his hands. Listen to me. I'm going to explain to you why you have so much stress in your life. Right now. If you have stress in your life, I'm going to explain it to you. If you've ever had stress in your life, I'm going to give it to you right now. Listen to me. After Daniel realized that everything, everything that he could do could be done. In other words, that he had no other recourse, that the law had already been made. You know what Daniel did? He said, you know what, I'm going to write a bunch of letters. I'm going to, you know what, I'm going to talk to another king. You know what, I'm going to have some conversations in the background with the king and try to see if I can get him to see it my way and all this other stuff. You know what, I'm going to take charge. I'm going to take things into my own hands. Most miserable people in the world are the people who don't recognize the time when they do things, when God has given them the strength to do things and when God has given them the strength to go to him so he could do things. Most miserable people in the world. Here's a principle for your life and mine. Do All that you can do, the Christian does all that he can do. Then he trusts God to do what only he can do. The Christian runs to Christ. The one who abides in Christ runs to Jesus. I can't, oh, you know what? He's not responding to me, some wife would say. He's just not, he's not giving me the, I know, I'll nag him and I'll, and I'll browbeat him and I'll cut him down and I'll make sure that I itemize every single inadequacy and flaw in his life. I'll make sure that he feels like less of a man by the time I'm done because I am going to change it. No, 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 sister, listen to me, shh. Go to your room, open your windows, and go before Jesus. Say, Jesus, you change him. And the husband says, you know what? And man, we're so stupid sometimes. We, 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 say, we, um, we, we say this. We go, oh, well, I know. I'll, I'll make jokes to my wife so that she could get the hint to lose the weight or to start the exercise program or to do something dumb like this. And what we do is we, ins- and we make sure that they feel less than women. And we ensure that their insecurities are to the degree that any idiot who gives them a half a compliment looks like the right guy to them. Listen to me. Brother, listen to me. Go to your room. Have your windows open. Pray. I want, you to, I want you to notice one thing about this. When the bad times came through for Daniel, he did what he'd always done. He had developed a, a, he had developed a habit 
by this time. Listen to me. Have you developed a habit for spending time with Jesus? I'm not talking about your walk to the train station. I'm not talking about your drive to work. I'm not talking about, I'm talking about, listen to me. I'm talking about time exclusively that if a phone call comes, it goes to voicemail because you're with Jesus. That it, when, the, that when the, the, the Blackberry goes off, you don't check that text because you're with Jesus. That when, that when uh, somebody comes knocking at the door, they're going to have to come back again because you're spending time with Jesus. That when the program comes on, you're going to have to TiVo that sucker because you're spending time with Jesus. What I'm trying to talk to you about is about having that time where you and Jesus get together. But you got to have a place. you got to have a place. you got to have a place because if you don't have that place, When the times come, when the kings of this world make their rules, when the the tide flows against you, when your life starts spinning out of control, you won't have the foundation. And you will sink. I don't want that for you. I want you to notice that Daniel desperately needed Jesus. And he knew he needed Jesus before the calamity came. Let me suggest, I need Jesus. I know that I would run to Jesus every day. Daniel did it three times. Awesome. You might do it one time in the morning, twice before you go to bed. I don't care. But that you would have sacred time, that it would be a sacred, uninterruptible, sacred romance with the king of the universe. Daniel had nothing else to fall back to but his holy habits. He prayed. He prayed. We look on in the text When Daniel knew, we'll we'll reread verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had had windows in his upper chamber open toward Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day, day and prayed and gave, are you ready for this? Thanks before his God. Did you hear what I said before? ripped from his family, taken from his culture, removed from his religion. Uh, His people have been decimated. He doesn't know if it's the people back at home are dead or in a prison camp somewhere. You know what he starts with? He gives thanks because God is good. Listen to me. I know. Listen. It's Recovery House of Worship. Listen. I know that you go through stuff. I know that your marriage is not what you wish it would be. I know that your children can occasionally break your heart. I know that your parents sometimes make you feel less than dirt. I know that you, you thought that you would be at a different place in your life than you are now. I know, listen to me, I know that sometimes it doesn't go the way you wished. Let your prayer start with the greatness of God. Let your prayer start with thanks. Daniel, he begins his prayer. 
And he has a time. He starts giving thanks to God, reminding himself about the goodness of God. Some of us, listen to me, you lack gratitude because you lack a prayer life. You just haven't had, you just haven't taken the time to say, Lord, you've been good to me. You have blessed me. You know what? My husband might not be where I want him to be, but I know I'm not where he wants me to be. God, would you give us humility and grace because you've been good to us. God, Jesus, may I give you thanks. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had what? Everybody read those two words. Done previously. Then... These men came by agreement or collusion or they had, they had, you know, they had this little plot going on. These men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea. Now, here's what I know. I know that they didn't take their Corvette, drive it up to the front of his house and wait for him. So, you know what? Daniel had a habit and a reputation for prayer. Three o'clock. Go to Daniel's house. We know what he's going to be doing. It's a reputation for prayer. You know, when I first started this church, um, I, I had a prayer time from 9 to 12. Some of you who were here early know about that. And nobody could get an appointment between 9 and 12. I figured that if half of my day was going to be the most productive, if the morning was going to be the most productive part of my day, I might as well pray for you. And so it was just, it was predictable. Every day, 9 to 12, it's different now. Now it's six to nine because it's a bigger congregation. God has said, you know, he's, he's, he's given me the ability to wake up a little bit earlier. And so now it's a different time. But it's, it's time spent with God. And I don't want it interrupted. And I don't, listen to me, listen to me. What is, okay, so we're going we're to get to the practical application. What's your time? What's your time? Tell me about your date with Jesus. Tell me, where is it? When is it? Is it consistent? Don't tell me, oh, but, you know, God knows. Of course God knows. But that's silly talk. My wife knows that I love her. It's good that I should say it every now and again, regularly, a lot. Wouldn't you agree? Sure you do. Listen to me. Listen to me. My wife has been very affectionate towards me. But I hope that she doesn't think that four months ago's affection, physical affection, would be like what I need for the rest of the year, right? I want that to reoccur, don't, all right, right? Like I want, I, I want, I want my romantic time with my wife to be continual and to, listen to me, it's beautiful and it's wonderful when we have that romantic time with Jesus and we say, without fail, no interruptions, imagine, imagine how insulted God must be when we let our emails and our text messages and our phone calls and our Facebook take press. Oh, Jesus, I love, ding. Let me see who that was. <laughs> Lord, you are the great, you have mail. Let me see who that was. God, you've been so great. Ring, ring. What, what? Uh, all right, I'll get back. It's, it's insulting. 
Imagine, imagine being married and making love to that person who couldn't give you focus, who couldn't give you that intimate affection and attention. I had to go, let's stop, the phone's ringing. Silly. It's foolishness. It's silly. But that's what we do. That's what I do. And by, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. Amen. 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 Okay, so verse 11. Then these men came by agreement, and Daniel making petitions and plea before his God. Now, listen to me. Daniel not only gave God praise, he not only gave God thanks, but he also, he also told them stuff that he needed. Don't you need stuff? I need stuff, right? I need my kids to walk in a close relationship with Jesus, so I talk to him about it all the time. I need my marriage to grow. It's the best it's ever been, but I want it better. I don't want to be the same husband that I was last year. I want to be a better husband. Jesus, make me a better husband. I got stuff, right? Don't you? Right? I want to lose like eight more pounds by the end of the year. I got like, you know, silly stuff and fun stuff, but serious stuff. I want this church to grow so that we could reach as many people. I want you to be able to decide. Like I got, I got a lot of things to ask God about. God, Daniel asked God for his petitions and his prayers but because he makes time with Jesus. Now, you know the rest of the story, do you? Um, Daniel gets found out. He gets thrown in the lion's den, and God won't have it. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He gets thrown in the lion's den. Could you imagine getting thrown in a den of lions? And at the end of the night, after that whole night goes by, the king opens the door and says, Daniel, are you still alive? He says, fear not, king. My God, Jesus has gotten me through the valley of the shadow of death. And Daniel, listen to me, Daniel's not the only one. Daniel's not the only one, right? Doctor comes back and says cancer, right? And some of y'all know that Jesus showed up, right? And he gave you grace. And some of y'all, you understand when that sickness comes through and you're just like, oh man, I'm not going to get any better. And then God shows up and you got one or two more days of health and you just go, man, God, you came through. There was beauty here. Or when the bills were due and, and God somehow came in. I remember when we thought we were going to close. True story. We thought we were going to close the door. You want to see church leaders pray? Let them, let them all look at the books, right? That's when church leaders start to play, pray, right? Because you look at the books and you look at the finances and you go, there's just no way. There's just no way, right? I still am marveled by it. True story. We got, boy, we had one of those meetings where it's like, okay, so do we really need the lights on during service, right? Is that very necessary? Right? And so we were like, true story, ask any of the leaders. And so we went, and here's what happened. We prayed. We prayed. Listen, listen, pray. you need to pray like you've lost your, pray like you're crazy. Pray like you've lost your mind. Pray like God's got a hearing aid and he's like far away. Pray loud and, ex- man, listen, because listen, there are times where we go, uh, our father who art in heaven, all of me, and we do it like that. And there are times where it's just, man, I know that there have been times in my life where I roll up my sleeves and I go, God, this is serious. This is a matter of fact, you better come yourself. Don't send no angel. This is no time for boys. I got a, I got some real issues here. And so like, you know, and, and so you, you, you run to God in such a way where it's passionate. And some of y'all know the joy, but in this church, we, had, we, had, we, we knew we were done. We didn't have one more week in us. We had nothing. Would you believe 
and I'm not even making this up. You can't make this up. Some woman whose voice I never heard, who I'd never seen before in my life till this day, called me up, told me about her uncle who had passed away and left her a small inheritance and who she felt led by God to give it. Anybody know how many churches there are in Brooklyn? Anybody know? Anybody know how many Baptist temples uh, there were at the time? It was the Baptist temple. At the time, it was the Baptist temple. Anybody know how many Baptist temples there are? Like, if you go to Recovery House of Worship, it's only one, right? As they, they, we're it, right? We got Staten Island. We got different places, but we're it, right? Listen to me. God had told her. I didn't tell her. But you know what? I told God. And God told her. Amen. And, and we were able, she gave us over $6,000. So that we might be able to, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, praise God. God, listen to me, it'll change your life, but you got to spend time with it, you have to, you have, so where's your place, so, okay, so when I first started to pray, all right, now we're going to get very, very practical, okay, so we talked about that and we're going to get very, very practical, there was a, okay, where's your spot, my spot's in my office now, it could change, it could change, it's been different places, where's your spot, my spot's in my office, where's your spot? Right? Think about where it is, where you're not distracted, where you don't have 50 places going on. Where's your spot to pray? Where do you pray? Where do you, sp- where do you go? I am going to meet with Jesus. Where is that? I don't know. Is it at the park? Is it at the Starbucks? Is it at McDonald's? Is it, at, it, can be, is it inside your car while the, you, know, you get to the, to, the, uh, to the workplace a little early and you shut the ignition off? You, shut it off you, know, you put it in park and you just start spending time with the Lord? Where is your place? You go, but life is too busy. It's not too busy. Anybody remember, uh, well, you, you may or may not, West, John Wesley. He had like about 18 brothers and sisters. He's, his mother, right? So there's 19 of them. His mother had 19 children. And what she would do when she would spend time with God is she would take her apron, 19 children, 19. You think you got a, you think you, you're busy, 19. And she would throw her apron over her head and sit down. And everybody knew that that was mama's prayer time. Everybody knew, don't mess with mama. Go whatever you do. She created a space for her. Listen to me. It'll change your life. Her son, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, we sing some of the hymns that they wrote. Wesley, John Wesley was the guy who in, created, anybody ever heard of Methodists? Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're Wesleyans. That was John Wesley's baby. He started a movement with small groups and accountability and discipleship, and they became what's called Methodists. The reason that they were called Methodists is because they was a method to their discipleship. Prayer can change things. There's, so where's your spot? Where's your spot? Where's your spot? Can you think of it? No? Where, where is it going to be? Where is it going to be? Because today I want you to make a decision to make your spot for Jesus. By the way, at the end of the service, I'm going to have you praying for one another. Because today we're going to have communion. And I'm going to have you pray for one another. So before you leave, you're going to pray for one another. But I want you to create a spot. So here's, what I, this, here's how it started for me. My spot when I first started praying was uh, in a corner. I had, my room was, and, and some of you can attest to this, it was so tiny that the bathroom door, when it swung fully open, was the door 
from my little office. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like I had a little corner that was right next to the bathroom. Event. If I'm lying, I'm dying, right? It's, absolutely. And so I would want privacy in my office so I could counsel somebody. And I would go and I would knock on the door, make sure nobody was there. And then I would open the bathroom door. And it was a tiny space. So when I got home, there was not really a whole lot of places to go. And I found the space. It was in this little corner. And I had a kneeling chair like this one. And I sat on it. And I didn't know what to pray. So what I did is I just simply put, and I'm, I'm not like a big, I put a timer on, five minutes. And you know what I did the first day? I prayed for everyone that I knew. I prayed for world issues. I prayed for peace in all, every part of the world. I prayed for you and me twice. And I opened my eyes to see three more minutes <laughs> on the clock. And you know what I did? Listen to me. Listen to me. I put the clock down, and I said, you want to say something? I'm all ears. I'm all ears. I ran out. And I sat there. And then the thing, and I wouldn't feel guilty. It would ring, and I would get up, and I would go about my day, and all all that other stuff. You know, after a while of doing that, a glorious day came. I I was praying, and I prayed for everybody and all that other stuff, and I prayed for you, and I prayed for me, and I was still praying, and I heard that. I had prayed for the full five minutes. And I said, tomorrow, I'm taking it to seven, because I just need more time with Jesus. And you know what happened the next day? I had prayed for about five minutes and ten seconds. I had an extra ten seconds in me, right? And I saw the time, and I said, God, if you got anything to say to me, I'm all ears. Changed my marriage. Changed my life. I can't can't tell you how meeting with God made me very sensitive to his presence in my life for the rest of the day. Listen to me. Where's your time with God? Where's your place with God? When is your time with God? Now, I I recommend, anybody who asks me, I recommend that it be the most alert time of your day. Whenever your most alert time of your day is, that's when I want you to pray. But I give a a special urge for us. In some places, they can do this. For us, it's better to do it in the morning. Let me tell you why morning is best. Morning is best because, all right, how many here swear that they're supposed to work out like tonight, right? Or like, you know, in the evening, right? Anybody? Now you just don't want to admit it, right? Yeah. Okay. I understand, right? Watch this. We all say we're going to work out at night. We never make it. We never make it because they're, they're just, it's, you're tired throughout the day. You don't want to do it. Listen, morning is a great time. Start your day. Start your day. And so, but, but have it. Here, here's another thing. Have, have a time, whatever it is, 6 in the morning, 7 in the morning, 8 in the morning. Just, you know, you don't need to. Listen, listen. If you want to know what the weather is like, look out the window. <laughs> You don't have to wait for 15 minutes worth of news to find out what the weather's like. Just look out the window, okay? And so, get your time. There's your 15 minutes, right? You have time to do this, right? Get your clock, right? So you get your space. You get your time. How long is it going to be? Right, so we're going to start at 6 o'clock. For how long? 5 minutes, 10 minutes, a half hour, 45 minutes, 2 hours. Some of you are overachievers. You want to do it for 2 hours. Listen, if you haven't started, don't start at 2 hours, okay? You'll discourage yourself. You'll discourage yourself, okay? Think big, start small. 
Think big. Start small. So we got a time. We got a place. Here's the other thing. Come with expectancy. So you got your, do you have your place in your mind? Do you have the place that you're going to do it in your mind? Do you have the time where you're going to do it? Do you have that in your head? Are you kind of, write it down. Write it down. If you're getting it in your mind, at my kitchen room at early in the morning or late at night, whatever you're good with, I'm cool. At my office before I get to work, before my work shift starts, whatever it is, in the locker room when no one's around, I don't care. Pick a place. Pick a time. Here's the next thing. I want you to get a notebook. I want you to get a notebook. I brought this particular notebook because this notebook to me is sacred. It's sacred. It's sacred. In, in this notebook, and I'm going to close in just a few minutes, listen to me. What's in this notebook, the time that I spent with Jesus changed my life. Changed me. And so what, what you do is you get a notebook like this or any other notebook, you open it up and you put a pen. And you know why? Because God's going to speak and you're waiting. You're not, you're not, you're not guessing he's going to speak. You know he's going to speak. You're going you're gonna to pray with a pen in your hand. That as you read your scriptures and as you spend time with Jesus, you're going you're gonna to have a pen in your hand. And you're going to, God, whatever you want. And from, what, you know, from reading your scriptures and praying, God's going to say, here's what I want you to do. Mine happened on 5-26-01, May 26th, 2001. The, the psalm was Psalm 121, though I lift my eyes to the hills, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. He who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. One of the things that I do is I write the scriptures in my, own, uh, in my own understanding. So I paraphrase it. So I had those scriptures and I started to write it in my own words. This is a great way to internalize God's word. Just write it because you really understand it when you can write it in your own words. So I wrote it in my own words. And when it said, he will not let your foot slip, I said, nah. <laughs> That's not true. Because I'm trying to write that in my own words. It's like, you won't let my foot slip? Uh, I don't know. I can think of a few times. <laughs> Help me understand this. Because I can think of a few times where it felt like my foot just went right out from under me. Anybody ever have a moment like that? Absolutely. We all experience things like this. Listen to me. Listen to me. I wanted, I wanted, you know what I wanted? I wanted assurance from God. That everything would go well if I started this new church that we were going to start out in 2001. I wanted assurance. God, guarantee me. And I wrestled with God that night. My, my family was asleep. It's like Memorial Day weekend, I think it was. And I was by myself, and I'm writing. And I'm just going to read to you. Right? And, I, and I, I, you know, I had so much more that I wrote down. But let me just tell you the practical thing that God led me to decide. You ready? This is what I wrote down. Fearing. And listen, by the way, God never gave me assurance. Did you know that? I wrestled with God. You know what he told He said, trust me. I'm not going to give you a 50-point uh, uh, series of steps that's going to happen step by step at this time. And that, that, you know what God said? He said, trust me. 
God, I'll trust that you'll not let my foot slip. Practical. Here it is. I I write out what's, you know, what am I going to do today? And I call it practical. What what, what am I going to actually do as a direct result of this? I'm going to step out in faith, leave my job. Listen to me. I have a seventh grade education. I had just landed a union job. I have no skills to speak of. I always excel at jobs that I go to because God just gives me favor and I'm a pretty hardworking guy. But, but listen to me. I got a union job. My wife is pregnant. At that time, it cost $12,000. $12,000 to deliver a child, right? Now, I'm not talking about the visits afterwards. I'm just talking about delivering a child, Twelve grand. No medical insurance, no nothing. I'm, I'm spending time with God. and says, I'm going to step out in faith, leave my job, and go into full-time ministry. Knowing that if this is not right, the right thing for me to do, God will not let my foot slip. Praise God. Amen. And now I'm here before you today. Yay. Because listen to me. Listen to me. It changed my life. Spending time with Jesus changed my life. Let me tell you the rest of that story. Um, true, true story. I went to work uh, the, the next working day. It was maybe two or three days after that. But, but it was, you know, the next working day I went to work and I, and I had just made the commitment. I'm not going to. You know what my wife did? We had no money. We had no funds. We had nothing in the bank. You know what my wife did? My wife called me up and she said, Edwin. Did you put like $2,300 in the bank? And I said, that's stupid. That's a very stupid question because I don't got 23 bucks. I don't got 23 cents. I said, help me to understand that she goes, there's $2,300 in our bank account right now. I said, take it out now because somebody made. That's not what I said. That's not true. That's not true. I didn't say that. I did it. I did it. I did it. Listen to me. Listen to me. God put it there. Amen. And we called and we said, God, we, we called, you know, we're not stupid because we know we're going to have to pay this back when the bank finds out. Could you please? This is not our money. Yes, it is, Mr. Cologne. No, could you take it out of the account because I think of a mistake. Mr. Cologne, that's in your account. You know that medical thing that we were worried about? About an hour later after that, my wife called me up. She goes, Edwin, you won't believe this. Anybody here ever got a phone call from a city agency, like to your house? Yeah, Yeah, it never happened to me, right? I've never gotten a phone call. like, Like DMV has never called my house to tell me a mistake that they made. They've never called me. An organization that we were trying to sign up for to get medical coverage. My wife was covered completely. Listen to me. Listen to me. It changed my life. You're hearing me today. Some of you have been counseled. Some of you, there has been, there's a bit of fruit because Jesus is real and he's true and he knows what's going to happen in the next 30 years and you don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 seconds. So why don't you spend time with the only one who knows it all? Place, time, 
open book. You go, I don't know what to pray. Here's, here's what you do. We're going to have um, on our bulletin, on our bulletins, on our, what do you call those things that we send out? Email bla- emails. We send an email newsletter. Um, so if you're not on the newsletter, you need to say, not on newsletter, please send it to my email, and we'll do that for you if you put it on your yellow cards. Here's what we're going to do. We're in the season of Lent. Anybody know what the season of Lent is? It's the, it's the 40 days before, um, just before the, the crucifixion, uh, I mean, the resurrection of Jesus, before Easter. The 40 days before Easter, not counting Sundays. Um, and so what we're doing is we're just reflecting on the sacrifice of Christ. So we're going to actually email that to you. Um, if it's not emailed, we'll have it in the bulletins so that you could see it. And there are scriptures that you could look at. So here's what I want you to do. Every day, just get your scripture. Have your open notebook. Um, get your pen in your hand. God's going to speak to you. And spend time in God's word. Listen to me. So we have that for you. Secondly, um, if you look at your bulletin, if you look at your bulletin, you see Acts. I'm going to teach you a cool way to pray. Say, for instance, if you, you, know, if you just want to uh, pray, uh, if you look in your bulletin, you have, uh, uh, what is it called, a sermon map. And so you'll see the scriptures and you'll see Acts, A-C-T-S, in, a, in acrostic. Write this down quickly. We're, gonna, we're done. A-C-T-S. Listen. Adoration. A stands for adoration. It's in your bulletin. You can, it's right there with your scriptures. You got it? Are you with me? Okay. A-C-T-S. First one, adoration. This is, this is a, 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 a style or a type of prayer that helped me an awful lot. So I would get on my knees and uh, it changed. You know, sometimes I get on my knees, sometimes I stand up, and, some, you know, it's different uh, at different times. But watch this. So you, I get on my knees. Adoration. God, you are great. There is no one like you. You're wonderful and you cannot be contained. You're bigger than I think and you're bigger than I can think. You are awesome. Adoration. I tell God, I've never, ever. My wife has never come up to me and said, baby, you're just sexy. And I just can't get up. I've never said, shh, stop that now. Stop that talk. I've, that, that's never happened. That's, that might have happened to you. That's never happened to me, right? Because when you're in a relationship and people are genuinely giving you, genuinely giving you um, uh, accolades, there's something precious about that. It, it speaks of value. So the first thing is adoration. God, you are awesome. You're wonderful. There's no one like you. Adoration. Second way, after you finish that prayer, then you go into thanksgiving. God, thanks for clean clothes. Thanks for multiple choices. Thanks for getting me here. Thanks for a train card. Thanks for, thanks for gas. Thanks for, thanks for, Lord, I want to be married so bad I can taste it. But God, thank you for giving me singleness so I can focus on you and not get obsessed about anybody else. What do you got to thank God for? God, thank you for giving me a marriage. Because if I was by myself, I'd have died by now. Whatever. I don't know. I don't know. Listen to me. Pray and think. Give God thanks. What do you got to give God? Do you have anything to give God thanks for? Right? Okay. Give God thanks. It's called Thanksgiving. First one is what? Second one is what? Thanksgiving. Third one is confession. This is the best. The reason that this is so wonderful is because when you confess to God, Satan can't bring that stuff up to you. Here, here, yeah, so A-C-T-S, confession, right? So adoration, confession, um, uh, adoration, confession, that's what I meant to say. All right, so all right, it, it could be acts, it could be cats. Confession, adoration, I don't know. Um, 
This is harder than it looks, okay? So give me, give me love. Okay, so confession, adoration, confession, confession. So I gave you the third one already, right? So the second one is confession. Confession is simply this. God, this is the truth about me. Anybody remember, uh, anybody ever heard of a guy by the name of David Letterman? Okay. Did anybody know that David Letterman was being, um, um, what do you call it? Blackmailed? Yeah. He was like, he's extorted, right? There were, there were people who were going up to him and saying, you did this sinful thing. And if you don't give me money, we're going to tell, we're going to write and we're going to make it in a play. And we got witnesses and all this other stuff. You better give it. And you know what he did? He did the foolish thing at first. He paid. But you know, what's, you know what, what that person did? Came back and asked for more. You know that Satan does the same thing? Yeah. Satan goes, I know what you did last summer. I know what you did last night. I know what you did last week. I know. And you're going to pray? And you're gonna pray. Here's what you do. Here's what David Letterman did that every Christian needs to do. Confess. You know why? Because it didn't have any power over him. Now what are you going to do? Now who are you going to tell? Listen, so I spend time with God, and I pray, but listen to me. I confess, God, let me be, let me be honest with you. I'm not going to make excuses for why I spoke to that person that way. It was wrong. It was sinful. It did not represent Christ. It was evil. It was wrong. I shouldn't have done it. God, I should have never treated my wife that way. I know I like to make excuses in my mind for she doesn't give me what I need, so I'll make that the excuse to be mean-spirited to her or she's not doing it. Listen, 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 God. It was wrong and it was sinful and I can't abide by it. I want to abide in Christ, not my sin. Confess. And be specific in your confession. Don't be foolish about your confession. God, if I happen to do anything that perhaps wasn't in line with your will. Have you ever had anybody apologize to you like that? Makes me want to punch him in the face, right? If I did anything to offend, if, if that hurt at all, I'm sorry. Crazy if, like people don't know. Don't be silly. So you don't want to do that with people. You certainly don't want to do that with God. Go, God, here's, here's the truth about me. Here's the truth about me, God. I'm selfish. She didn't give me. He didn't give me. They didn't give me what I wanted. And I threw a hissy fit. And I made a fool of myself. And I made a fool. God, forgive me. And can we, and, and let me tell you something. Some days it really is like cats. Like you don't even want to pray because you feel so bad about what just happened. And so you start with confession. And then you go to adoration. And then you go to thanksgiving. And then we go to our fourth one, okay? So we got it. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving. Depending on the day, confession, adoration, thanksgiving. Here's the S. You ready? Supplication. It's a $5 word, but I'll tell you what it means in a minute. Supplication. Supplication. It simply means to ask God to supply your needs. It's to ask God to, to give you stuff, right? And so you, I've heard people say, I never ask God for anything. I'm like, I feel bad for you. That's not me. Boy, I ask God, I was like, God, please, por favor. You know, I'll say this in as many languages as you need me to say this. Um, I, here's what I need. Here's what I want. Here's what I desire. Oh, no, but I'm not going to ask God. To, I'm just grateful. Yeah, you be grateful. <laughs> it's all right. Listen to me. My kids are very grateful for the house, the, for the roof I have over their head and all that other stuff. But they know better than to not ask me for stuff. In fact, in fact, if they stopped asking me for stuff, it would almost be an insult, wouldn't it? It would mean that they didn't trust me to provide for their needs. 
And so, and so I ask for stuff. It's called supplication. God, I need help. Give me wisdom. Help me. Now, we're about to close. We're, we're having communion. And communion is all about remembering the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen to me. Daniel got thrown into a lion's den. He got thrown into a lion's den and left there to be devoured. Listen to me. Jesus came from heaven to earth. And he lived the life that you should have lived, but you did not. And he died the death that you deserve to die, but don't have to. Listen to me. Jesus was thrown into the den of death. And every... And his limbs were torn. Death had its way with him. He wasn't thrown into a den at the risk of his life. He was thrown into the den at the cost of his life. Not for, listen to me, not for anything he had done, but for what we had done. And then he rose again in power because death could not hold him to remind us that, listen to me, that there is salvation in Christ. Daniel is a picture of our great Messiah who would not be thrown into a den for the alleged acts that he did, but for the acts that we did. And so we celebrate communion, and we celebrate it because he is worthy, and needs, we need to be reminded. So we're going to have a prayer time. Now, you know what we do usually, and the musicians are just going to play something softly for now. Listen to me. What we usually do is we have um, some mature people here, and they stand here, and in the back, guys, we would have people that were not doing that today. You know what we're going to do today? Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to ask you, I'm going to give you one minute, one minute, to ask the person on your, don't do it yet, I'll tell you when to do it, to ask the person on your right and your left, what's one thing I can pray for you for? We're going to pray for each other. And here's the generic prayer that we're going to pray for everyone in this room. We're going to pray that no matter what else they say, oh, help, you know, pray that my marriage and pray for this and pray for that. That's fantastic. Listen to me. One thing you're going to pray is that God, that they would take this message seriously. And that they would have a time with God. They would have a notebook that they write down the great things that God has done. And that they would have a place where they spend starting today. That's the one thing you're going to pray. Listen, some of you need to say, pray for me. I haven't surrendered my life to Jesus. And the person to your right and to your left, they can pray for you. Say, Jesus, grab a hold of their heart, Lord. Just help them to submit to you, surrender themselves, confess their sins, and receive your salvation. I want you to pray. Then we're going to take communion. Communion, listen to me. Communion is being reminded of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf. Not only reminded of Christ's sacrifice on our behalf, but reminded about how much we need his sacrifice on our behalf. So, everyone, uh, you have uh, the cup. Now, listen to me. If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, 
as I'm speaking, you go, Jesus, I've messed up. I'm a sinner. I need forgiveness. I need salvation. And some of you have been coming for weeks and months, and you've saying, you know what? When I come here, it's just something about hearing God's word. It just touches my heart. It doesn't matter who's speaking. It just touches my heart. I'm open to Listen, God is knocking on the door of your heart. He doesn't want you to leave here. Say, God, I'm going to make you the boss of my life. Not just, I'm not just going to make you God out there somewhere. I'm going to make you boss of my life. So, if you, you could receive Christ right now, as I'm speaking. And in around 15 seconds, you're going to ask each other. Person to my left, or in your case, person to my left, you're going to say, what can I pray for you for? Person... What can I pray for you for? And so you're going to get a minute to do that. And I just want you to pray for each other. Asking Jesus to give to us what we so desperately need. Deeper time with him. You have one minute.